What would you say you do here? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. There are no more shenanigans, no more tomfoolery, no more ballyhoo. So, Paul, you're a Swifty now. Nope. Really? Okay, yes. Yeah, I guess you are. I don't know. What do you have to be to be a... What do you have to do? You have to pay an exorbitant amount of money to go see Taylor Swift in person. Okay, well, then I guess that... There it is. There it is. (laughs) Yeah, I went. Paul saw Taylor Swift on Saturday. Saturday night, which is the weird... I never, ever thought that I would ever say that. People are probably going to hear about this. From now into the future, and I hope so. Like it I, comes up if it, I see someone it, with a Taylor Swift T-shirt. Oh, hey, I saw her in Vegas. Did you go? You yeah, were you at the Vegas show? <laughs> I was there, and, and you're you like, "Hi." Going, what? They'll ask for the secret handshake, and you'll know exactly how to do it. They teach is. you the, the handshake on the like as you're walking into the Taylor Swift concert. No, I think it's great that you went. It was a last. Well, it wasn't a last minute decision. Julia Carey from the Swillers. People know the local band. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Friend of ours. Um, asked me a few days ago if I wanted to spend X dollars to go see Taylor Swift on Saturday. And I went, I don't think so. Not really a fan. What's up with the ticket? Because she, I thought she already bought a ticket and she needed another ticket to someone to go with her. I'm thinking, why would she only buy one ticket? I'm thinking, you know, she's seeing Michael. I'm going back. I'm just kind of tr- trying to figure this out in my head. What's the story? And then she finally told me that she had not bought a ticket yet but would really wanted to go and really couldn't because it's not cheap and she wanted to find someone to go up there with she wasn't really saying that but she was kind of hitting around i thought that's what it is there's no way that she would i wouldn't go up there by myself probably even worse if you were a female maybe i don't know i think it'd be really funny if you went up there as a 50 something male i did by yourself oh yeah it'd be hilarious if i went there by myself that would be and now i have like the whole fomo thing because i didn't get to go <laughs> but my kid was there, and a bunch of her friends from Tucson. A bunch and, of people from Kingman were there. And Crystal Foss and yeah. her daughter. Yeah. And Crystal's one of Crystal's best friends and her daughter. And you and Julia. Right. Uh, who else? Leah from uh, Gracie's yeah. Vintage. She was there. And these are only the people that we really know. That I know semi, well. Semi-closely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is just freaking hilarious to me. I, I And I think it's great, though, because you got to see... Some serious fucking production value, didn't? Oh you? yeah, like no, the, it, it was. I knew it was going to be, and I wasn't very tired. It was like it was after the Swiller's second set, maybe maybe after the first set at the food truck event. I think it's a, great that they played two sets at the food truck event here in town in Kingman, right? And then three sets, three sets. They played yeah. three sets, yeah. and then Julia was like, "Okay, I'm going to go sing some more for three and a half hours at a Taylor Swift concert," <laughs> which is well, fantastic. You, we'll talk about that in a minute. It, it was it was kind of interesting. So, um, the uh, yeah, so that she because I knew she'd asked me. I don't know, Thursday or Friday? I guess it was Thursday. I don't know when that was. So I brought up to her. I said, you found your tickets yet? She goes, well, they're, yeah, they're out there. But I said, anybody else going to go? No. So I'm thinking, I'm just sitting there eating my food truck food, which was very good, by the way. The event was a second annual event at the Lewis Kingman Park on Annie Divine slash 66. It was well attended, kind of cool, a little bit windy, but it was good. So hopefully you'll be yeah. able to go next year and not be divided like we talked about. Yeah, and in our meeting prior to that thing, I went to the meeting with Jesh uh, just to get all the details about Saturday um, for because you know Blackbridge had a presence there. We were serving beer and all that, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't there. I was at Boulder City Beer Fest, manning that whole thing. So we were spread very thin. Yep, we made it work. Everything seemed to go out go off very well. I I didn't hear about any sort of issues from anybody from the Blackbridge crew here in Kingman. So that's great. 
we didn't have really any issues, had no issues at Boulder City other than it sucked. Like, it was so fucking cold. It wasn't cold. It was 55 and windy, and we're in the spot we were last year, which is shaded, which is... Which Normally is, very nice. Which is very nice when it's 75 or 80 degrees. Right. Not so much this time, but also you can't stake down... You can't use stakes. Oh, they don't let you do and that? And they don't let you stake down... Well, because there's uh, irrigation stuff in, oh. the, in the park. So you have to use weights? So, yeah, you have to use weights, or if you have an ingenious idea like me... The spot we were in, there's a uh, street sign right there. It's like a no parking sign, so we just lashed both of our <laughs> both of our easy ups to the sign. So it's still a good place but to be then the, to lash to the oh, sign. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we could park our cars right now. Like it's like our easy up ended where the grass ended. Then there's a sidewalk, the curb, and our vehicles. And we were able to park all of our oh, that vehicles. That makes it really nice. There's there. normally no parking allowed there because it's a red zone. But because the street was closed down on that one particular section, fire people, fire fire department didn't care right. that we were parked there. So I was like, perfect. Mm-hmm. And if you needed to go to your car, you'd have to walk a couple hundred yards to your car where the normal parking lot is. It's just right there. Mm-hmm. So uh, anyway, so yeah, I went to a little pre, like the day before, like meeting, like pre-meeting thing or pre-planning meeting for the thing, uh, for, for, for the, the food the, truck event the, here in King, the 66 right. Street Eats. And... Uh, we uh, the, it was brought up that like how come we're not doing this a little later like we did last year like well it's the uh, farmers farmers market, market kind of already has a lock on Saturdays and uh, you know this and that and the other I said ah that makes sense because well, I heard that and I went wait a minute they have on every and they apparently did and I'm thinking you can't just do that you yeah can't. you can you can schedule it all out if you I, want to I understand that yeah. but that doesn't okay Kingman's getting a little bit bigger a little more mm-hmm. event kind of driven you can't just lock that out for right. every Saturday I know you can you just told me I get it yeah. But there's got to be anyway. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but they're they'll be working on that, uh, yeah. you know, for next year, which is fine. Right. I mean, I literally don't. I don't think it inconvenienced anyone except for like except for Blackbridge, and it was a minor inconvenience. It wasn't. Oh, we were right. able to overcome. I, yeah. I it it all worked out fine. <clears throat> but yeah. So uh, so after the street eats thing, you made the choice. Well, it was it was during the breaks, and Julie was talking about because she was looking at the tickets that were still available, and, and I said, "Is there anything together?" Because I was kind of hinting around that I was interested in going, but I wasn't quite sure. And but I had started thinking about this on my own. I thought, "All right, I already had the meeting for the. By the way, there's an air show coming up at Laughlin Bullhead, April first. April first, Saturday. Yeah, this coming free. Saturday. They got a lot of money. It's going to be a good show. There's going to be military display stuff. Some uh, and it's free ninety nine to get in. Yeah, free. I and, can't stress that enough. Free. Yeah, and it's going to have some good aerobatic uh, shows. Like we have an air fest here. We don't have like an aerobatic box. That's what it's called when you kind of close down the airport temporarily for doing aerobatics. So it's going to have some aerobatics. Our display is going to be the best one. I think you've seen our. Our yeah, for the air, for the uh, Kingman. Uh, oh God, what was it called? F- Future Air Museum thing. Yeah, Kingman Air Museum, Aviation yeah. Heritage Center of Kingman. Aviation but, Heritage Center of Kingman. But it's going to have some yes. sign stuff too. But anyway, so we're going to be there, and um, so I, I, our, we already had that meeting Saturday morning, you know, and I, I had nothing else I had to do. There was no other Kingman Main Street meetings. Nothing else going on. I'm thinking, okay, I'm clear until tomorrow morning when I had to do some other stuff for glider people. I said, I. I'm sitting there going, I could go. I'm not that tired. feel pretty good. You know, and Julia's hammering away at her phone trying to see what tickets are available and what the prices are. And then Chris Lay comes around, everybody else in the band. Hey, man, you have found any Swift tickets yet? And she goes, yeah, I've got them here and blah, blah, blah. And of course, they were kind of pricey. I get it, you know. Yeah. And people didn't want to go at these prices and stuff. And yeah, was, but how, how far away from the stage were you? The stage is kind of long. Yeah, it's a longer it, it stage. Kind of out. The, yeah. If we didn't walk towards it, Standing was probably at the most 70 feet. Wow. So we got within 70 feet of Miss Swift because oh. she came over to that side. 
you know. I bet and, she smells so good. And it wasn't. You asked me what Taylor Swift smelled like. Yeah. That's how close <laughs> were. And I said, I didn't tell you. I didn't finish my sentence. But I, the entire place smelled like teenage human beings. Yeah, great. Sweat and grime yeah. and hormones. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it was. I'm telling you, that was the smell of the yeah, stadium. Like a fucking locker room. Allegiant Stadium. That's what it was. The brand new, this is the new Raiders yeah. uh, stadium, which I kind of wanted to see also because I knew it was there. I was that's cool. I haven't seen that stadium yet. Uh, and you know, It's a, a tiny factor you know, to go there and check it all out. You know, I know that and I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. I'm familiar with a handful of her most Now you songs. are. You're a Swifty now. Yeah, well, now. That's in the background. You can't hear. I'm listening. Joe walked in here the, today. I walked up. <laughs> I could hear it from out, outside in the middle of the hangar. And he was jamming out to Taylor Swift because I know Taylor Swift. Because I consider myself to be a fan. Probably so, I like yeah. her. I appreciate her. But I also, yeah. like, because of Portia... Like, she listened to Taylor Swift a oh, lot. Yeah. So, She's and, right in the demo, right, uh, right and then down the center of the one demo. One of my good friends, and also she considers you a friend. I know you guys <laughs> haven't seen each other in a while, but Caitlin, yeah. crazy Caitlin who bit you on the face. Yeah. Uh, she got to meet Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Do you remember me yeah. telling you about that? How that was so the, she was a fa- I remember, can't remember how that happened exactly. She had a Tumblr account that she was like a, a Taylor Swift like super fan, like fan account. Mm-hmm. That was so, it was started off as kind of a parody Mm-hmm. Of big fan accounts uh, of certain like certain artists, and it turned into her it her getting like I think she had like fifty sixty thousand followers. Okay, and it became kind of a thing. So she got contacted through her uh, Tumblr account by wait, wait. Taylor Swift's people. Caitlyn's account was that big. Caitlyn Caitlyn's account was that big. Oh, that's pretty it, good. It for started her. off as kind of a joke, and then it turned okay. into kind of a thing for like Taylor Swift news and like, okay, oh, what's her outfit this week, and what kind of makeup line is she right. using, and stuff like that. As the teenage girls grew up and got older, they were getting more and more into the the adult shit right. side of things. So she just kept doing it for a few years, and it got big enough to where Taylor Swift's people contacted her and said, "Hey, would you be willing to come to L.A.?" And uh, you get to listen to Taylor Swift's new album for before anybody else gets it after like two or three weeks before anybody else gets to hear it, and you get to hang out with Taylor at her house, and it'll be like like eight or ten other people. And she said, "Nah, uh, yeah." She was like, "Eh, I don't fucking think so." (laughs) She was like, "Oh, fuck yes!" But they're like, "Listen, before you do this, you have to sign an electronic non-disclosure agreement, and you're gonna have to actually physically sign it when you get there. You, we will have a professional photographer there send you pictures in a week." And so don't I take a bunch and, of pictures. And yeah, shit. yeah. Like I, I called her because she ended up calling a sick to work. She was a nurse at the time, or she's still a nurse, but she was a nurse at the at KRMC at the time. Mm-hmm. And she called in sick three nights in a row. <laughs> and I had the first night I texted her because she's not one to call in sick. She was like me. She'll show up on the oh, verge so that's of death. how you learned about it, or you figured it out. I didn't figure it out. She, I, I text her nothing. Text her the like, next you, day. You were nothing. Kind of checking in on her. Like, I you, was, you and I okay? like by the second halfway through the second day of her not contacting me back, I called her, left her a message. I'm like, you have about an hour to call me back and let me know that you're okay before I start fucking talking to the police because I can't. Nobody has been able to get a hold of you for like two days. Right. Ten minutes later, she calls me back, and she's like, I can't talk about what I'm doing, but you're going to be the first person to know when I'm allowed to talk about it. Right. I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm not around right now. I'm not in the state. I'm like, okay, cool. As long as you're okay, that's all I care about. I don't know what kind of weird secret shit you got going on, but right. that's cool. Some kind of a CIA spy Area 51 thing Do you know what it was, on? though? You know what I, what I like, later on, like, uh, it was, like, maybe 
four days, three, four days later, once she had gotten back to town, and then they sent out a mass text to everybody who was at this little meetup because they hung out for like seven or eight hours yeah. at Taylor Swift's house. Like I she, saw some of the pictures. I think like, you, you, you yeah, like of like Taylor sitting just on her lap and they're sitting on her lap, just yeah. hanging out in the living room, having a listening party. Yeah, and uh, she called me and said hey what are you doing i said i'm just sitting at home she's like all right i'm coming by that was when i lived over in wallach ranch and she came by and she said uh I've, in fact she gave me two stickers mm-hmm. that she got from the whole thing like a like pre-release like they only made a run of like 100 of these stickers whatever she gave me two of one of them on a growler that i have mm-hmm. and i said what the fuck were you doing and i and i looked at her and i was like on she goes what do you think i was doing i'm like honestly i thought maybe you got a boob job <laughs> and you didn't want to tell anybody about it like that's, we, that's, like that's like kind we, of the, like how we, it goes yeah like yeah. we wouldn't notice yeah, and she started cracking up. She's like, "I like my body how it is, thank you." I'm like, "Me too." So, all right. So, what is it? She's like, "I got to meet Taylor Swift." I'm like, "Fucking what?" And she told me the told whole the story. story yeah. And and like, so so what was she like? She goes, "She was just a, a typical chick. chick. She was just a chick. She's just cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. She got her guitar out. We did a little sing along shit for a couple hours, and mm-hmm. like played a couple like um, songs that she's working on that aren't quite worked out, and mm-hmm. um." went into her kitchen at her house and like she made she put together like a crudite platter and like we did this and I helped do the dishes at Taylor Swift's house like just cool <laughs> shit like that just right. normal. like you like just normal, normal friends yeah. yeah and I don't know who Taylor Swift's management people are who her handlers are but they must have handpicked this crew because Caitlin told me that they're all kind of similar mm-hmm. they're all like mid to late 20s right super chill super fans but not losing their mind over it right just happy to be there a little nervous but like once and she said taylor Swift. She, taylor's like a she's very disarming she's very sweet and she's very very kind and she's very loving and lovable there's no air of pretentiousness or anything like that and i'm like you know what that makes me like her even more right and then i got the album came out like two days later i'm like jesus this album that was 1989 for all you swifties out there mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's this is a great album. Like I liked her music before, but then the, then that album just, just like put her on the, the fucking map. Yeah. yeah, and the, all that stuff. So I I have a heavy appreciation for her, a very deep appreciation for that woman. Right. So we're sitting we're sitting there. Yes. Uh, and then at some point it was like, I think I, I can't remember what it was, but I could see Julia was kind of franting on it. I knew that Michael wasn't going to go, and she was checking things out and checking things out. And I knew I thought to myself, no one is stepping up right now in this big group of ours. And I don't think Julie's going to go by herself. Right. Like, she's not going to. So she's just kind of probably quietly, hopefully, depending on me, if I'm going to change. But she wasn't saying anything about it. She wasn't. No one was pressuring me at all. You know, it, and and uh, and then finally I said, Can you, are there two tickets together? She goes, yeah. And I'm not sure what was available because I'm telling you right now, when we got there, the place was packed all the way up to, to the last fucking row, all the way around in this 60-plus thousand seat capacity arena. In the brand new thing in Vegas, the uh, the Raiders, what is it called? The Allegiant, Allegiant Stadium, Stadium, whatever yeah. it is, yeah. So I said, fuck it, spot your tickets. And I think Chris Lewis goes, yeah, that's it, woo, go. And, I, and and so she bought them, and I said, what time does it start? She goes, well, it says 6.30. I'm going, it's like 3 o'clock. <laughs> and I'm going, what? I said, i got to go, i got to figure out, I kind of became kind of you know a girl at that point what am i gonna wear you know something like that <laughs> so yes so chris goes you look pretty good right now because i had some you know, my brand new white sneakers over there and i said actually i don't i don't want to wear these i don't want to get stepped all the fuck over oh my god what's gonna happen yeah you sound like a swifty <laughs> yeah anyway so went back here and and uh changed clothes and stuff like that and and, and picked her up immediately and we just hauled ass up there you know we were 
plenty plenty of time to do it. But we were listening to Taylor Swift on the way up, and we were just talking about small bullshit and other things and where we're going to – and she was a great navigator. Uh, Julie did a great job. I said, you're going to have to navigate 100%. I, had, I don't know nothing about the stadium. I don't know where to go. And Michael was giving her hints and checking traffic and all yeah. this. He was like a good – off-site, you know, sort of a uh, command control yeah, center. Yeah, yeah, he was at the he was at the control center. <laughs> yeah, kind of giving us information as we're going up there, and we par- parked at the uh, at uh, what I say, Mandalay Bay. Did I say that? That's Mirage. Mirage, Mirage, Mandalay Bay. Yeah, yeah Mirage. Excuse me. For forty dollars, that's what they. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> fucked up? The casinos charge you to park there, right? Whether you're whether you're going to well, stay they, at the casino they did or not. Ask you, they said you a guest, and I should have. I guess I could have lied, but maybe they would have wanted proof. I don't know. They probably put it would have put a little ticket on your on your windshield or something like that, saying right. that once they walked because they have people walk around and look for your plate number. Right. But I said no. We're going to the thing. Okay, cool. It's this much. It's forty bucks. Okay, great. And so um, they gave us the little slip, and they said, "Keep your receipt. If you don't keep this, you got to pay." Fine. So I kept it like a. I watch like a hawk, you know, to peg him and you leave. Anyway, so let me walk from there, park, go across the uh, big bridge. There's a big bridge they turn into an all-people bridge when there's uh-huh. a big event going over there. That's the same main bridge. You've seen it, I'm sure, up even in Vegas after the new stadium got built. So we're going over that, and there's just all kind of – and it's all – I'm just looking around at all the, the demo, of course, and it's – there are people there with their kids uh-huh. that are pretty young. I was definitely in the – I wasn't the oldest person there by a long shot, but I was definitely in the older group, shall we say, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, it's just kind of cool. The sun's kind of start to go down, and there's different places where you can get uh, photographs of the like little vistas from the outer part of the stadium, looking da- down at the strip in Vegas. And that kind of, so we got a bunch of pictures of Julia. I haven't showed you those yet. And uh, we got in line to get some merch. Oh, they also hand you these little things. And I it's still in my truck, and it, they're like an electronic. Like a little wristband with a little light on there. Yeah. Okay. Well, I thought you could turn those off and on and fuck them. That's not what it is. No. You no. pull the thing. It's it's controlled. It's RF. Yep. Or controlled for coordinated lights for yeah. the whole event. Do you know who started that? That was kind of cool. No. Coldplay. Like Did they really? Fifteen years ago. Wow. Yeah. And what it was to start off, it wasn't wristbands. It was a little bigger. There were wands that were that had different color LEDs. They were in them controlled that would, that by, would light the, up. by the yep. facility, and okay. they would light up. If you see, uh, Coldplay's got a live DVD from like probably eh, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Wembley Stadium where they did it, but it color coordinated to all the different songs for like the mood of the song. It was very, yeah. I mean, very much on stood on the shoulders of Pink Floyd, right. like uh, really, like when it comes to visual displays and yeah. stuff. But yeah, that's I've never been to a show like that, but I've seen live video and it's, it looks pretty fucking cool. It was pretty cool. So I still have my uh, my thing in there. And they, after, when the show was over, they would just kind of blink like off and on. I think red and blue. I think just yeah. boom, boom. And probably it's very low. Power consumption, and I'll bet you it's still blinking right now. Probably. Yeah, so uh, I'll have to go there and check. You should put it on the dash of your truck. That way, when you drive around at night, everybody knows you're a Swifty. They, they kind of nod it's, each other. It's a heart, they're, they're, what, they're, what would the Swift wave be? I don't know what it would look like. I have but, uh, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think it's cool as shit that you went. Well, I was glad to go. It, it was, I think it was a little, it was, I didn't want to spend money to do this thing, but it was, it was, uh, I'm glad I went because I wanted to see the stadium. I wanted to see. Uh, I've never seen, I think I texted to you or someone else, that's the most popular current artist I have ever seen. In other words, I've been to The Who, let's say, after yeah. on their one of their final tours. They had about 10 final tours. Yes, they did, yeah. And then, uh, <coughs> of course, uh, Roger Waters, you know, that kind of thing, which are, you know, they were more popular back. I've never, that's the largest single artist venue full of, the absolute most people Even, I've ever seen. Didn't you see Journey to. in like the early 80s? This, it was not a stadium. Oh, it wasn't. It was, it was at no. It was at uh, it was at uh, the Omni 
uh, convention center probably holds so like an arena essentially probably holds inside maybe ten thousand people twelve thousand oh. maybe I don't know I've oh, never I've never, never been to a sixty thousand plus yeah, seated place I, for a, again one person I've been to m- big music festivals outside one was called the Georgia Jam you know it was kind of like and a bunch of rock and rollers in there and probably right. there, there was more people there that was at Road Atlanta actually at the the so raceway that, yeah there yeah. were probably more people there for that. But it wasn't super crowded either. It was really spread out over the yeah, of course. hills and grass. And, and I've been to <clears> festivals. <throat> I, I And I, I was talking about this actually with Jeremy and Crystal yesterday. That I think uh, that is the... that that I I know I've been... I went to a show. I had for, actually forgotten about it until we started thinking about it. And I'd forgotten I'd actually seen them. But I saw Guns N' Roses and Megadeth when I was 12. Or 11. It, was, it would have been... Yeah, like I was 11. Like 92, I think it was. Right before GNR mm-hmm. broke up. Mm-hmm. And that was at Riverfront Coliseum where the Bengals played, and it mm-hmm. was packed. So there's probably 60, 50 to 70,000 people there. But I was young, and it, it, it was very spread out. No one was like – we weren't super close in the right. crowd because I was, kinda, I was a, kind of a little guy. you know. Right. And I, so um, – but I went to the Innings Festival last year in 2022, uh, you know, and that was like Foo Fighters mm-hmm. and, and a whole bunch <laughs> of people. And they said that there was 70,000-plus in attendance. Okay. But that was they had two stages, but they weren't right next to each other. Right. They were at two ends of this super long part. It was like probably two hundred, three hundred yards apart. Right. And nobody was, and they had art, one artist playing on this one stage at the same time. There's somebody else, and they alter, they didn't alternate. They played at the same time, so okay. you had to pick and choose who you wanted to see mm-hmm. or watch half a set, like I did for one for Billy Strings, who's an incredible bluegrass guy. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to go see Foo Fighters, so Foo Fighters. I walked <laughs> over and watched them. So. It was 70,000-plus people, but it wasn't all watching the same person at right. the same time. So there was right. never 70,000 people. So, no, I've – and I don't know how I would deal with that because that's a lot. That's where a lot now, of people were saying uh, – like Crystal was saying she doesn't like that many people in a yeah, place. And she y- says, she says she's getting – it's funny. She goes, it's getting worse with age. And I just, I'm thinking, really, Crystal, worse with age? Like you're not that old. you know. But it, as she gets older – no, I get it. As she gets older, right. you tolerate – and I'm kind of the same way. You tolerate bigger crowds – Less and less, right? Which I get. Now I have been. Uh, at, I was at an Ohio State Michigan game. There was one hundred and four thousand people in that stadium, and that it's different because you're not packed in. Right. I mean, you're packed in like sardines into like little tiny, you know, uh, uh, chairs and like in the right. seats. But it wasn't like on the field where people can just mill about and run into you, and there could be a crowd smash or something like that. Like, right. it's, there's no panic in that. What it is is deafening. It's almost like going to like because I've been to a couple indie uh, indie five hundreds, right? And that's deafening. You walk away from that smelling like fuel, yeah. covered in uh, oh, it's loud too, dust. And you're in a bowl the, full of engines with no with super high horsepower and no uh, control on the no noise. Correct. At all. Yeah. Exactly. And so at that uh, that that football game, and uh, of course Ohio State, Michigan, you know, and at in Columbus was like. I walked out of there. I didn't hear right for a couple of days, and I've actually never been to a concert that did that to me mm-hmm. for a couple of days. Now, the car ride home or something like later into the night, and every, the next day you're fine. But a, it was t- it was like two days. I had like a noise hangover from oh, that. Yeah. But yeah. sixty thousand people, and that wasn't that's an outdoor venue. That's also like Ohio State. The Horseshoe is an outdoor stadium. Right. Right. There's no. It's not a dome. But being sixty thousand people inside, and then. Probably seventy-five percent of them are very high-pitched, screaming young girls. Yes, now, sounds now, horrible. That wasn't no, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Actually, now there was a lot of scream, but they weren't 
they weren't going berserk like you would have thought of like a Beatles, like the Beatles or something, something like that. Yeah. It wasn't quite like that, you know. So, but they were uber fans, obviously. And Julia made a lot of local girlfriends around us. They're all singing together. Yeah, this is the most. I I I, I was had a lot of time to think about the whole event and all the the costumes, of course, and then all the sets that were changing out. I'm going, oh, my God, I cannot imagine managing this. Right. If you're, like, the top person. Of course, that's what they do for a living. That's why they get to pay the big bucks to yeah. make all this shit happen. I'm looking around at all the people and all this and the logistics behind it, and Jesus Christ. And then we probably saw her airplane driving in because there was, like, an executive jet parking area, and I know I saw a couple Falcons. I like That was one of the first things I asked Julie. Hey, while we're on the way up, could you look up and see what kind of jet she has? I kind of want to know <laughs> what the executive jet uh, she owns, which was a Falcon 900, and uh, which you hate. Well, I don't hate. He it. it says the, ugly. It's the, it's the least pretty, in my opinion, uh, of the executive jet you could have. <laughs> so I'm funny. just saying, it doesn't matter. But I mean, that's that what just it is. It's, it's such a Paul observation too, and right. I just love that. So we drove by. She, we have. She looked over. She goes, "Oh, look at all the private jets." I said, "I almost guarantee that that's probably one of one of hers." And I saw a couple of Falcon 900s over there, so. It was kind of crowded too, and then then Kevin told me this morning one of my employees says, "Yeah, I think March Madness is going on in Vegas too." And there was something else and something else. It was like a major weekend. Yeah, the March and April, actually February, March and April, because you have CES in February. Mm-hmm. I believe CES kicks still. it off. I think doesn't it? CES yeah. kind of kicks off that season. Yeah, yeah. actually, no. Um, the like big convention slash event season starts in Vegas in uh, early December with NFR. Okay, NFR. What is NFR? The National Finals Rodeo. Oh. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it's NFR. Yeah. And that's huge because that goes on for like nine days or something like that. Jesus. Well, yeah. it, it was pretty crowded, but again, Julie did a great job navigating. So, And there wasn't a lot of people. They had, of course, served alcohol because that's what they do there, but there wasn't a lot of people drinking. There were some, but I didn't really smell any spilled alcohol, but it was funny because I thought, this will be easy. No one's going to be going to the bathroom very much. But for some reason in our row, there was one dude who – was constantly getting alcohol for, I guess, he and his girlfriend or date. And he was, he's probably in his 40s, let's say. And plus, he had to go to the bathroom too a lot because of right, this. Right, because of the alcohol. Holy shit. And they, they do kind of cram. These are smaller seats and they're kind of the, not much room in the in the aisles, between the aisles. And this this was kind of, after a while, I said, looking at Julie, I'm going, what the, what the fuck? Because she went once. She went and got two waters for us, you know, and then went to the bathroom once for the three and a half hours. Uh, and didn't even go when we got there. Like, she didn't go to the bathroom. She was going to, but the lines were way too long. She said, screw it, I'll just go later. So she went once. I didn't go any at all the entire trip. By the way, I had three of your uh, hazy IPAs. That was fantastic at the uh, food event. Oh, yeah, isn't that so good? So I started pounding down water before the road yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, and then I didn't go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom here and then went there until we came to Vegas, came back, and we're halfway going near uh, Rosie's on 93 and we pulled and over there at 2 in. in the morning or whatever yep. it was, one thirty, to get something. I need some fizzy water of some kind and go to the bathroom. And then Julie went to the bathroom. All. Anyway, she does not go to the bathroom very often is what I'm saying on a road trip. That's a, That was the main – that's she's the takeaway a, from this entire is event. Is that the takeaway from the entire the Swift thing, event? The whole thing was Julie doesn't really is go to the bathroom. Julia is a perfect road trip companion. Right, and she's a good navigator. So, Which is fantastic. Um, so um, and a good navigator. She doesn't pee very often, and she, right. she, uh, she's a good navigator. So, like, that's just, like, two more – in the plus column of Julia that yeah. has zero in the negative column. Yeah. So um, the show was fucking great. You, you can't, you cannot deny this. And it was all the, well over half the people knew most of the words to all the songs. You know, it was just, it was very obvious. They were singing along together. And that was even bothering me. I'm, I'm thinking, 
this is just this is probably one of the happiest places. And Chris, she's got a couple sad songs, but not really. They're more empowering kind of songs, Correct. if you will. Yeah. So all these young ladies are in there, and they're all just singing all these empowerment songs for hour after hour. I thought, this is really cool. I'm enjoying this, actually. This is kind of fun so to see. So much positive energy in the whole stadium, yeah. which is cool. Yeah, and I've never, I, I have to say that in my entire life of going to concerts, I had to review this in my head. Yeah, this show, this, I'm going through all these, you know, scrolling through. I'm going, I think this is the most positive show I've ever been to in my entire life. Probably. Yeah. Because I have stuff, a little darker rock and roll, you know, Pink Floyd, of course, or any other kind of, let's say, any kind of Pearl, I never been to Pearl Jam, but you know what I'm saying? The kind of music that I like, yeah, the yeah, genre yeah. that yeah. I like, is never really like that. <laughs> it's more, yeah. it's more a little bit, darker artist stuff as opposed to more positive empowering stuff you know what i'm saying yeah i know what you, exactly I, what you mean i explain this very well uh-huh um so that was kind of fun to see and then when we we're all leaving god it took forever we didn't sit down at all for the from the time we got out of my truck till we got back into my truck no sitting whatsoever so that was that whole entire thing was probably about a six hour on your feet completely for six hours 100 percent. wow yeah which was kind of hard to do but I did say no. I said, wait. I said, that's not true because we're kind of we're walking out like sardines. I said, that's not true for you. And she goes, yes, it is. I said, you went to the bathroom. Did you sit? <laughs> so <laughs> she goes, I did. I did. <laughs> I can hear that in Julia's voice. I can. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, so you sit down for 30 seconds. Yeah. I said, anyway. So we're walking out. As we're crossing the bridge. The whole fucking bridge came out in song of one a couple verses. They kept. Oh, I, they were singing yep. her songs. Taylor Swift. I'm going. This is really cool. Getting kind of goosebumps now thinking about because I'm around all this positivity. This is great. It was. I'm glad I came up here. You know, it was a, an experience. I probably wouldn't do it again for her. Maybe someone else. But I thought again. This is the most popular person I've seen uh, at a live event. She's probably, and I'll put her up against Pink Floyd and the Who. And Rush, well, it's, and a, it's different kind of shows. It, no, no, no. Uh, yeah. When it comes to, she's probably the mo- has the most records sold of any person you've ever seen in, I, con- in concert. Pro- pro- probably, unless you've seen Elton John. No, and you're not old enough to have seen the Beatles. No. So uh, yeah, I like I I I want to say I, I think I she has like top, how many records sold, and she'd be somewhere fucking, in the top. She's 10 probably or in the top ten. Yeah. So up there, and I could go through the list, and and, and I could look up the next one that I have been to. I'm gonna look Joe's this up right now because now. now I really want to know. See if I can like put my money. Top. They're looking like this. sales records that we're looking at is record sales. Joe, is that we're looking at? Yes. Why are you gonna do that? I'm gonna turn the heater on because it's getting kind of chilly. So you talk talk to the people, Joe, for just a second. Or don't talk to the people. Don't talk to anybody. I'm not gonna talk to anybody. Uh, are you on a billboard? Is that where you're looking? The official, like a billboard coming? Are you doing something else? Or just kind of? Oh my God, she's in between Elvis Presley and Garth Brooks. With holy a, fuck! With 155 million units sold. All right, who's the top? The top of the Beatles with 183 million. Yeah, I did, didn't see units. them. Okay, good. Now who's yeah. next? Garth Brooks, nope. which I've seen Garth I, Brooks. Saw, oh, you have. Yeah. Okay. And, and wait, wait, uh, wait, what was the venue for Garth Brooks? You, you saw? What, where? Yeah. Uh, uh, Riverfront uh, Coliseum. Okay, in, uh, so that was probably where the, the Reds biggest, used to play. They don't have the, it's not there anymore, but that was big. Yeah, it was big. It was it was it holds sixty thousand. Probably about that. Yeah, so similar including size. the field because it was on the field too. Right. I don't know who's next. I'll just go on the list. Elvis Presley to, and then who? Those are the top three. I was just looking at the. It just showed okay, the top so three. again, the top is who? Beatles. The uh, Beatles. 
Uh, sorry, top four. That's uh, the uh, the Beatles, uh, Garth Brooks, Taylor Swift, Elvis Presley. Jesus, she's number three. Yeah, yeah, and she's not really old yet. She's not at all. She's what thirty four. So or something she's like probably that. gonna now. Garth Brooks is he gonna keep making records? He hasn't put out a new album in forever. So she's gonna top. She's gonna top everybody. I think she might. Well, probably not the Beatles. Uh, you'd have oh, she'd have to yeah. sell a lot more. Fucking thirty. Wait, what's their number? Of 187 million. Oh, she'll do that. And she's at 100 and like 155. Oh, she'll million. do that. You think so? I'm a Swifty Joe. I know what's going on. <laughs> he finally admitted it, folks. <laughs> I knew it. No, I'm not just saying that because I would like her to. There's no. She's 33 years old. Is that how old she is? I learned all about her. Oh, okay. I'm a stalker. <laughs> no, no you're Swifty. It's okay. It's different. Um, Next time you go, we're going to do sparkly makeup and a dress on you, and it's going to be fucking all awesome. All right, so here's, what I, here's the dichotomy or whatever I want to share with you briefly about okay. this because you may or may not know, but Jeremy approached me about making a carbon fiber guitar. Correct. Now, I've also been approached by, by uh, 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 holy shit, Leonard Interior, uh-huh. who goes by another name now. Um, so this is a while back. He kind of gave me a, he gave me a, he gave me a, like a copy, not a copy, but a, an older, what's the most popular guitar? Is it a Stratocaster or a, tele, a Telecaster? I think it's a Stratocaster. It's like a okay. body of a Strat. Yeah. We have it somewhere here. And I didn't get to it, didn't get to it. I said, I'll get to it at some point. And I was getting busy like I always am. But anyway, um, I can't remember why or when Jeremy approached me on this. So he did. And I went, okay, cool. So I started to do some research on it. And this is where I'm getting to the whole Taylor Swift thing here in a second. But um, that's fine. So I went down several different rabbit holes of carbon fiber guitars and acoustic theory on on instruments like that and a few other aids. And you can go really deep on this. I went rapidly down this hole for the last two weekends. Um, and I thought, God, you know what's really good? That's really good. Uh, listen to some un- unplugged stuff, like acoustic unplugged stuff. And I said, kind of like Alice in Chains. So I'm going to go down to Alice in Chains. has a couple different unplugged concerts that they did. And... Um, so the last several days, I've been listening to because their their MTV unplug thing has got a which remind me of it. It's got a a bass acoustic that uh-huh. they play on there. Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. Mm. I don't know the guy's name. I'm gonna figure. You, you yeah. may know who it is. I, I don't know. I don't know the bassist name. No, it's fucking great. Especially listen to Nutshell, which is kind of about uh, Mr. Lynn's, um, you know, Lynn Staley. That's his last name. Lane, Lane, Lane Staley. Lane, yeah. Lane. I'm sorry. Lane Staley's life. If you just listen to all that shit, he died of heroin. Yep. And I and I I knew about that years ago, but then then I went off on that rabbit hole to really get some documentary on him. And God, what a terrible, sad fucking case it was, and where he ended up dying, which you may not even know now. But it's bad. It's a little condo in Seattle, and he was dead for several days, and it stunk, and it's just just awful. Just just a bad situation. They say he was like eighty pounds when he died, yeah. and had missing all of his teeth, all that shit. And then the same rabbit hole went down about people their 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 music like voice coaches that would that would show videos of him and there were certain performances he did and they were going this guy he was fucking incredible incredible vocal talent I mean he really was he really yeah. really oh yeah what's going on so anyway so now I'm listening to Allison Chains which is again the opposite the of Taylor Swift the complete opposite of Taylor Swift because I was still in kind of that mode of Allison Chains and Nutshell and and, and Man in the Box and all that yeah. stuff and all the acoustic versions and Listening to how the guitars sound and then how they're made and then, well, she bought the tickets. Fuck, we got what time is it? Bang, I gotta go. So I get in my truck and I'm hauling ass, listening to Alice in Chains as I'm going back to get. I'm like, maybe I should turn this off and go to Taylor yeah. Swift. And then I'm in there and see all these people and then 
it's funny because we're walking across and all these young females are dressed in all this sparkly shit. Yep. As far as the eye can Including see. Including my daughter. So I, so I looked at, yes. at uh, Julia, which didn't have any sparkly stuff on, but she was dressed to go to a condo, whatever it was. And I went, sparkly stuff. I didn't really have any. Was I supposed to wear this? And she kind of started laughing. And I said, is this a thing? And she was looking, laughing hard. And I went, all right, I guess I'll find it out, right? She said, yeah, you're probably going to find out what all the sparkly shit's all about. And you could buy a bunch of that shit, too, yes. for sale. In fact, uh, Crystal brought uh, bought her daughter uh, Ariana a hat, cowboy hat, a sparkled, right. uh, bedazzled. There, were, there was a lot of that shit. I'm going, wow, this is this is it, a lot of sparkly shit. I've never seen this much ever. I've lived a while, and I've never seen that much sparkly shit ever. Man, you need to go see <laughs> Lady Gaga. Probably so. Actually, yeah. I think that should be the next big concert There's a big that talent you and I right go there. to. Fucking major talent. Lady, Lady Gaga's Gaga. huge fucking talent. She might be, in a different way, but more talented than Taylor Swift. Well, the she, thing about Taylor Swift is she's not a classically trained dancer, and right. she didn't go to special school. Like, like uh, Lady Gaga went to a a performing arts high school in Manhattan, like the one from uh, uh, from Fame. Like, ju- like that's where ju- she Juilliard, went to school. No, no, she no, she didn't. I don't. I don't think she. I don't think she went to Juilliard, but I I might be wrong on that. I just know she went to a performing arts high school. Okay. So she was trained in all all manners. She could already sing and she could already play the piano, and then she just got better at both of those things. And then during that performing arts high school is where she fell in love with dance. So she does she that writes shit. the her own choreography for her and all of her dancers for her shows. Yeah, and then dances like a like a fucking mad woman. Yeah, and I'm not saying Taylor didn't, but also you know, uh, but Lady Gaga also writes her own songs, which is right. uh, very respectable. It's just kind of a different vein. And like, she plays instruments too, right? Lady Gaga. Gaga plays oh yeah, a she plays. She plays the piano. Okay. Uh, and I think she can play the guitar, but I know she her piano is like she started playing when she was like five. Like okay. that's that's her instrument. That's how all of her songs start off. Right. That's how she you know. That's how she stuff. writes writes her. That's the, the origins of all of her songs. And Taylor played the piano also. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Which pff, God. That's one. Of, she said like a funny thing. There was a. Between the different groups, the eras of music, and one of them was a piano on the main stage that was covered in moss. It was all completely covered because it was kind of a foresty scene. Yeah. Really, all the skiescapes, excuse me, all the scenes were just fantastic. And she was telling a little story about something, and she goes, and now I'm, now I'm sitting here behind this piano covered in moss. <laughs> <laughs> just like very deadpan. Right. <laughs> I kind of laughed. That that maybe laugh is more than anything else. And that's what uh, Caitlin told me is that she's goofy, funny. Right. Like she's funny. Like she cracks goofy jokes. Like right. she's just a goofball. There was a guy there that played the guitar with her, and I, I you probably know the guy that helped write a song with her. Well known, apparently a well known guy that's on her one of her albums. Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know. And uh, and he was also they they were there at the end of the near where we were. They were really close to where we were. I didn't get a picture of him. And it was could so you see a band? Up. No. No, I didn't think so. That's yeah, not I, true. I, well, it's not. They weren't all together, but the lead guitar, left guitar player, and the, I guess the bass, they were kind of there sometimes walking around. Yeah, because some of her songs just don't require it because it's right. like it's on the verge of like EDM kind of stuff. So, right. like, it's, un, it's They were kind of back in the corner mostly, and I'm not sure I saw a drummer ever, but he could have been back there in the shadows, possibly. Did she introduce the band or anything like that? Or I don't think she did. I don't. If she did, I, I don't remember. I mean, it was three and a half hours, so like. Yeah, it was a long yeah. time. I enjoyed it. I didn't mind standing up. At one point, my right foot was hurting because, again, my stupid work boots suck. Anyway, small detail no one gives a fuck about. So, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, 
being there and all these pods of people, and they're all singing to each other. Julie made a lot of female friends around. They're all singing all these lines. And I was kind of dancing and moving and applauding and hooting and hollering and stuff like that. And I didn't know hardly any of them except for the, some of the popular lines and right. some of the popular songs. But it didn't matter because I was, I was enjoying looking around at all the people that were just singing to each other and just happy to be there. And I'm thinking, I can't take all this happiness. <laughs> it's kind of like Patton Oswalt or something like that. That's what I felt like. I said, this is just, yeah. there's too much joy and positive Alec on your life that's coming up and being empowered. I'm going, this is terrible. I can't live with this. And I, w- I wasn't that serious with it, but I thought, I did feel a little bit like that, but not in a serious way. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like all my concerts are, again, all more Pink Floydy, politically socio fucking the world is awful and we got to figure things out and Allison Chains about his right. his life with but, heroin but <laughs> but Taylor Swift's music a lot of her songs are like that too they just put a spin on it like but in spite of that we're we can always overcome moving, yeah uh, honestly like that's cuz that's what a, a lot of her music is is like this bad shit happens and it happens to all of us and it's right. a very universal thing whereas Pink Floyd just kind of leaves it at that right Allison Chains definitely left it at that <laughs> and then she it's like she adds one more verse on the end and is like right. hey but we're all here having a good time, that is, which is, I, I know it's going to sound strange, but uh, the way you talked about how there's so much positivity there, um, the Dropkick Murphys are like that. Dropkick Murphy shows right. are a solid two to two and a half hours, and that's punk rock, so you're talking right. 60 fucking songs. Oh, yeah. 50 songs, right? Boom, 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 exactly. Yeah. But like walking into a Murphy show, you know the people that are coming in because it's always a big crowd and somebody's got some sort of either a a DKM flag on a mm. giant plastic flagpole or uh, they've got a Boston Celtics thing or Boston Bruins thing. Mm-hmm. And I've been a part of many, many times walking into the venue where people are chanting for Boston, for Boston, we sing our proud refrain. Like it's right. as a group of like 500 people walking in. Yeah. And a lot of people are wearing work boots and kilts and fucking a little bit crazy looking. Yeah. And but it's all. And they, they, they've, uh, I don't know, I've never heard of a show that the Murphys played that wasn't all ages. They, mm-hmm. they, and I can, I've seen, been watching those guys for over 20 years now. It's to the point where I remember their lead singer, Al Barr, bringing his kid as a three-year-old out on stage in like maybe 2001. Mm-hmm. And then I saw them again like three years ago, three and a half years ago. And that kid is like, a grown ass kid and he was on stage but I remember being a little toddler with like the big like Mickey Mouse ears like mm-hmm. hearing protection on stage jamming out watching his dad sing you know punk rock and they're talking about like sometimes family is blood related but most of the times family is people you meet and this and that and this we're all family here and it's very uplifting mm-hmm. obviously it's way more aggressive music but right. like every time I've ever seen the Murphys I, I think there was one time I saw two guys start like get into a shoving match and they stopped the show Ken Casey, their bassist, and like sometimes he sings some songs. They, they, they want to put an he end to it. He stopped the show and he's like, "No, we don't fucking do that here." Right. You guys either shake hands and fucking hug now, or both of you and anybody who's with you is leaving. So what do they do? And he just stood there. He's like, "I'm fucking waiting." And I was like, "I would not want to be on the business end of his fists." So what did they? Did they? They, they, they shook, out or they? They shake shook hands, hands hugged, held their hands together up, and he's like, "And that's what it's all about." Right. They had a difference. We figured it out. Can we start again, guys? Or are you going to start <laughs> fucking around again? Good for and, them. And, and and they're just like that. He's also the guy that jumped off the stage at like 50 years old, jumped off the stage and tackled a neo-Nazi guy that was doing like Nazi salutes in, in, the, oh. in, the, in, the, in the circle pit Good. in fucking Boston. 
Wow. Not the right place to do that. No. And jumped off the stage, tackled him, got charged with assault after the the show, and then they showed concert footage because they were filming, because it was one of their St. Paddy's Day concerts, and they Mm -hmm. do a live DVD pretty much every year Mm -hmm. uh, and live and a CD and a record they put out of their live shows for St. Paddy's Day. So uh, they had HD quality film of this. This was maybe four or five years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't tolerate any of that shit. It's all about positivity, family, unity, togetherness. We're all here for the same reason because we love this music, including us in the band. Right. Like, that's why we still do it. It's not because we're trying to get rich. We That ship sailed a long time ago. Well, I also kind of felt that, too, because there was going to be uh, – there wasn't a whole lot of alcohol being drank. And a lot of people are, like, families with their kids or they're younger. And they're not even old enough to drink. Right. But a lot of group of them is. But I, I knew going in there and going – I'm not going to see a fight here. Like at almost every concert yeah. I've been to when I was There's, growing up, there was fucking fist fights. Exactly. Everywhere. Kind of, it was what you did at a concert. Kind of, you drink 15 a, banquets and fucking fight oh somebody. That's God. what you do. Yeah, like, or in Texas, you drink 15 shiners and you fucking <laughs> give somebody else a shiner. <laughs> like I, yeah. And, and there's tons of alcohol at Dropkick Murphy shows, yeah. but I've only ever seen one almost fight. It was just two dudes shoving each other. And mm-hmm. that's, I've seen them. <sighs> 11 or 12 times not counting warp tour like not counting festivals where they were you know played a half hour or 45 minutes like actual paid to see them mm-hmm. yeah so i get it. i haven't been to a swift concert but i can only imagine that amount of positivity spread out over sixty thousand people and very little alcohol pretty family friendly yeah and like but although taylor swift has a couple songs where i'm like that's ah, kind of a stripper song i think that I, could be well they are song. and i, I kind of like those ones I was gonna... oh yeah no they're <laughs> her whole, I, I celebrate her entire catalog yes exactly i think i heard one of her maybe you would know the song that she dropped she drops the f-bomb is that true is there a song where she drops the f-bomb oh i don't think so i thought there Wait. was i thought i could hear it so it almost... i think somebody misheard the lyric and it became a thing years ago but that's not what she was saying and i can't fucking remember what it was called. i wouldn't imagine she would do that you wouldn't think. No, but if she did, it would be it would have such an impact and it would be very pointed, like for a reason. Yeah. Uh Joe's looking it up. I'm looking it up. Does does Taylor Swift drop the F bomb in a song? Is that kind of how you're looking it up? Wait, maybe she does. Hold on. It sound, Hold on. Sure sounds like I went. As Taylor Swift is playing in the background still. I don't know if the people can hear it. Probably can't. That's okay. Oh, I do remember this one now. It's not the uh, F word. It's her declaration in the album cut, I did something bad, which I do remember that song. If a man talks shit, then I owe him nothing. That was like the first time that she was like, yeah, but uh, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And then Lover was, uh, I... I'll be a bitch, but not a baller. But it shouldn't say fucking that one. I think what she fucking I, song is that. I think she should record a song, Joe, that that's titled "F Bomb." Folklore, folklore, and Evermore with the the pandemic album she recorded uh, in 2020, and opening of folklore opens opens the line. I'm doing good, and I'm on some new shit. And then later on, it was like, "What a shame! She's fucked in the head." They said, "Oh, there yeah, you go." Yeah, she did say, it. "Yeah, right. I did. I did not know that." Well, I, I thought that I heard that, like when the, when I was playing on the way up there. But I thought, I think that's. It certainly sounds like if, it. If she said it, well, she did say it, and it, and you know, it's kind of like uh, how I always say, 
you know, we casually cuss all the time and things like that, but I can also dial that back. I learned sure. how to do that in code switch when I was dating a, a Mormon. Mm-hmm. So when I'd be around her family, I was like, oh, shoot, heck, darn. Right. Like you think of that Taylor Swift should but, go on like a different tour or she should have an alter ego where like one of her songs is just called F-Bomb and it just drops, she drops the F-Bomb constantly. Like every, like fuck and fuck, I, I want to hear, fuck, I want to hear Taylor fuck. Swift call someone a motherfucker. Like I just, that that's... <laughs> But like Sam Jackson, what, what if she like shifts a, gears like ten years from now and says, "All right, I'm going to do all this dark shit now for a few seasons." I I like the idea. That somebody, I think Caitlin may have told me this that she read this somewhere years ago that they can't wait for Taylor Swift to go get a little bit older in the years to where she doesn't give a shit and and just writes an entire album and names everyone that she right. wrote those songs about. Right. Because it's always uh, she's alluding to people. There's always metaphor and there's always right. some sort of conjecture. Is that song about this guy? Is that song about that guy? She could do a collaboration Where, with Eminem. That would be... <laughs> oh my God, like a fucking diss track oh with God, Taylor Swift would, and Eminem? Are yeah. you... <laughs> Fucking kidding! But they could go on tour. They would like, outsell every con- every concert. Yeah, at it, that point. right. Ticketmaster would be like, "We're not even selling tickets for this because we don't have the servers to handle it. You better go through Amazon <laughs> or something." My God! Oh God! An explicit, just nothing but diss tracks, like fourteen <laughs> tracks of Eminem and Taylor Swift just talking, trashing shit. everything and, and, and everybody, and naming everyone, right? Name dropping everyone. I was going to say that you brought this up too, and I learned about that only a few days ago when I read about her thing to get out of. You know, she, she had. A, Problem with her record company. Oh as yeah, you pointed out, and she said, "Fuck it, I'll just re-record it all and change it just yeah, slightly." Because she had the, and then she, sell more. Albums she owned the way. music and lyrics rights, but she didn't own the masters. So yeah. what did she do? She re-recorded the masters with just enough of a difference, right? Which some of them are barely imperceptible, but it's enough of a difference that right, it's it's still her shit. I thought good for fucking and you. and I was telling you before we started recording that uh, one of my favorite bands is No Effects. The front man for No Effects is Fat Mike, and Fat Mike, you know, they they're punk rock royalty. They've been around for forty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, or damn near, almost 40 years. I think they got to like 85, so we're coming up on 40 years. Mm-hmm. And I've seen them multiple times. I've been a fan for 25-ish years, uh, and, and I love them. But Fat Mike came out and uh, and said, well, he, he got gathered some of his own money and found some donors and whatnot is, is, is opening up a punk rock museum in Las Vegas, which right. I can't fucking yeah. wait. Yep. Um, I threw him 100 bucks last year. And they're like the whole. The, it wasn't a GoFundMe. It was a. It was. It was like a GoFundMe, Something but like it was that. through his record label, and uh, threw him a hundred bucks. So I have a. I have a, a lifetime pass to go in. Oh, like nice. I have it. It's in plastic. Yeah. It's got a little uh, RFID chip in it, and it has my picture on it and all that shit. Cool. Uh. So. Uh. Anyway. Uh. He was being interviewed. This is. This is just maybe a month ago. He was being interviewed by someone about the Punk Rock Museum, and uh, and she said. Uh. She. The interviewer said. So how do you feel about things that are not maybe punk rock being in there? And he goes, punk rock isn't like isn't based around the music. It's around the attitude. Mm-hmm. Because she had previously, like a couple questions before, asked him about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which you had brought up that there's some stuff in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that maybe doesn't belong in there, sure. in, in your opinion. I still have that opinion, but anyway. But it's uh, to me, rock and roll is not a type of, it's not a style of music, it's an attitude. Right. Anything can be rock and roll. And then later on, the punks took that and they were like, these 18-minute-long songs are fucking ridiculous. This is not rock and roll. This is classical music, and we don't like classical music. So they started doing two-and-a-half-minute songs. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the punk rock attitude of the, everybody else is going this way. We're going to go that way. Mm-hmm. We're doing things fucking different. We're going to do it on our own because we don't get any support. We love this music. We like the idea. That's how 
Epitaph Records and 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 uh, Fat Records, which is part of Epitaph, and all these different uh, Nitro Records and Lookout and all these different punk rock labels. They all started as guys that had bands that didn't know how to put. Nobody would sign them, so they're like, "Fuck it, we'll start a record company and press our own shit and put it out." Right. So that ethos and that idea, and so when Fat Mike was asked, like this guy, like the reigning kind of king of punk rock at the moment. Has asked, you know, and she goes, well, what about somebody like Taylor Swift? And he goes, Taylor Swift, are you fucking kidding me? The most punk rock thing I've ever heard anyone do is be a platinum level recording artist. Her masters were sold to a guy and then he sold them and made a shitload of money. And all she owned was the lyrics and uh, music. And that did, she wrote, didn't own the recording. But didn't yeah. own the recordings. And she re-recorded her entire fucking catalog <laughs> and then put it out. That's the most punk rock thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. Most people get to that level and they have money. They're like, ah, that's fine. I've got a billion dollars in the bank. I don't give a shit. But she la- she has the integrity to go, you know what? Fuck you. Everybody else goes this way. I'm going that way. I wonder- and I would love to have a Taylor Swift guitar that was smashed up or something like that that was in the punk rock museum. I'd be happy as shit to do that. And I, I was like, wonder if, uh- fucking everybody loves Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I wonder if she... Um- I'm sure they had some pretty high-level meetings before she did that, and they, I wonder if they were sued or attempted to be sued by these other people. I bet they probably were. I'm sure. So well, a shitload of money, but she, they, they didn't win. You know, I, obviously. I, I would hope that she did the ultimate fuck you was just said, hey, I re-recorded these just so you know. I, I talked to uh, trademark, copyright lawyers, this and that and the other, and uh, these differ in at least 20% or 10% or whatever it is. So don't even try and sue us because you're going to lose. Right. And and I, I never heard anything come about from yeah. that. I just assumed that that's how it went down in the back room. And so I, I kind of hope it is. So I thought that was pretty badass. And I uh, you know did a little um, research on where she was from, all that kind of thing. So anyway, I, I had a good time. I'm glad I went. I uh, I may or may not ever do it again. I don't know. It may come up again a couple of years on another. T- she doesn't tour that often, like you said. Though. No, she doesn't. Yeah, she. So. Well, if you and you can kind of see why. Yeah. The just the the production alone and managing all that stuff. Holy I mean, there's shit. so many working working pieces to that. I oh could, my god. I couldn't help myself thinking about all that work, but this is a lot of work. There's probably 200 people that are involved in that in, in that yeah. uh, that that tour. Yeah. With bus drivers, the truck drivers for all the sets and all that stuff, like just everything. And I just and I think also how much that costs. Of course, the stadium it costs to rent it out. There's piles of security there. And just, I just wonder, I don't fucking need an answer. I just wonder what she ends up with. You know, I mean, her personal, with like each show that's that size. Even if she breaks even, it's worth it. After everybody's paid everything, you know. Yeah. Why? Because it just gets her out there, you're saying. it. She yeah, because it's, it's good marketing, yeah. you know. That's that's the way I look at it. But don't people still get music for free and that kind of, like what would the average Taylor Swift fan, what would they buy her? Most people pay for streaming these days. Okay. Or they're on ad-supported streaming, which is what, still a revenue stream. Like on Spotify, I have that. That's they're they're not making shit off of this stuff, though. No, no, and that's that was a big beef that Taylor Swift had with Spotify a few right. years ago. I don't know if you remember hearing about that. I that, don't know about her, but other people. And she was trying to be it. an advocate for for people. Like, look, I might be uh, I I might buy, be this country pop, this that 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 whatever, but I'm still a Spotify person. Just uh, I'm still a an artist that's on Spotify that's not getting. I, you know, she's like, I got five billion listens or whatever the hell it is probably way more than that eight dollars or yeah eight dollars or not i'm sure it's more than that but it's not a lot but it's not a lot yeah it's not no but she still has fans that are old enough that are still buying cds she puts out everything on vinyl every album so that's the real question where where does it come if if, let's just say for example she wasn't making that much money per appearance and she's not making very much money on spotify right and people don't buy quote cds anymore but they buy do people still use apple or iTunes? Oh yeah, no Apple. Apple iTunes? Music is a Apple Music replaced iTunes, but okay. Apple Music is is huge. It's still. I don't think it's as popular as Spotify, but it's it's up there. Okay. 
I just kind of wonder what the breakdown is. Again, I don't want an answer. I'm not going to look it up. But what her income comes from, what chunk mainly? I don't know. I hope she has like a, cocaine, con- a contract co- with a record. Who does she, what label is she on? I don't even know. I, I don't does know. She, have her own? I, she might have her own. I fucking have no idea. I, I know this is going. If she was smart, she'd be on her own. Right. Now I'm thinking of my, my financial finance brain is kind of kicking into wondering how all that works. But anyway, it was fun. Glad I went. We got back at like 2 in the morning. Was tired the next day. Ugh. And there you have it. But at least you weren't beat up from a big-ass drunk crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah. Didn't, didn't get big barrels of beer spilled on me. Cheap fucking nasty beer. Burned with cigarettes or joints or both. Oh, yeah. Yes. I've it, had all of those happen to me. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. I had somebody drop the cherry of their cigarette on the top of my shoe, and I didn't realize it was burning through the top of my shoe oh, until it God. burned my foot. Burned a hole in my brand-new fucking shoes. Great. Yeah, it was great. That was at a Dropkick Murphy show. I was kind of pissed about that, and then the guy saw what happened. And when he went to take a drag from a cigarette and the cherry had fallen off and he looked down and he saw, he's the one who was like, hey, hey, and pointed at it and I felt heat. And I was like, shit, it didn't burn me. Yeah, but and he fucked that, up your he, shoe. He bought me a couple beers because he felt shitty. He's like, yeah. man, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, eh, fucking happens. Right, you're at a Dropkick Murphy's concert. Yeah, in, Shit's in gonna the happen. early 2000s when you could you still could smoke, smoke in the venues. Right yeah. to your next tour to your people and burn their shit. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to take a break and talk about a little more serious Shit, man. Maybe. I don't know if I had any more to talk about. That's been an hour. All right. Well, that's fine. That's fine. We can save it. All right. We'll come back. We'll come back. To. We're going to take a break. Okay. We'll be back. Once upon a time, a few mistakes ago, I was in your sights. You got me alone. You found me. You found me. You found me. I guess you didn't care. And I guess I liked that.
right, from uh, funny uh, Swifty talk into some serious stuff, which is perfect because uh, Paul went straight from being a Swifty and right into us making me watch live Alice in Chains, and we talked about heroin, and <laughs> it's great. But I, I had actually forgotten, Paul, that song you just played, the Love, Hate, Love. Love, Hate, Love. Is, I think that's from their first album, and it's a very old song, and it's one that it never was a hit that I know of. right. And it's it's a great song, such a great song. You're watching it. It's extremely powerful. Typical, I say typical in the not the typical negative way, but it's '90s power rock kind of. What do you want to call it? It's grunge, hundred like, percent like grunge. grunge. It's about as grunge as it in a way. It's kind of a ballad. It, it really is. Yeah, but it's yeah, not I, a love ballad. But it's called love hate love, and it, it's there's a not a lot hate. of words to it other than him expressing this emotion, whatever it is, through his voice. Of love, hate, love. You saw it. Oh yeah, no, it's incredible. over and over and over. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? And yeah. I told you, we're all familiar with the reaction of certain uh, uh, people that do music like, reactions. Like vocal stuff. vocal coaches just watching uh, potentially artists that they never listened to before. Right, and watching him, they're going, "What the?" And they will explain how he's doing because there's a certain way that this female British vocal coach says there are ways that you can do that. Night after night, and not and trash not your voice. Yeah, well, and it's that's a certain way you go into falsetto, and then and then bring it back, or some little thing. And she goes, "Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's doing this." I learned into you know, he's not professionally coached, right? He can just he just fucking did this. And see, Chris Cornell was taught how to how to sing like that and belt out and have that raspiness and go up into his head voice to where it didn't sound like his chest voice and just all those things. And he was trained, not classically trained. Just, I, if I remember correctly, it was just some guy in his neighborhood. But Lane right. Staley from just, Allison Chains just never kind of did like it, that. which yeah. is a, that's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Anyway, so, so he spiraled down and had a. And we've it, lost him. We lost him. In yeah. And I, I told Paul that I actually, amazingly enough, I went to. I didn't go to see Jerry Cantrell, the guitarist, and one of the songwriters in Allison Chains. I didn't go to see him, but his band was playing at a festival I was at in Vegas, a small festival, and. Um, I not didn't run into him, but I walked past him in the casino. He was sitting playing a slot machine, and you can't unsee like his you know blonde hair. Like it's a, oh, he a has a it. certain look. Like it's a like mane. When I, we saw, but it was probably a Greg Allman at one, the you know it's like, right exactly. <laughs> so. And I, I'm not one to you know shy away from introducing myself. So I walked past him, uh, and then I was like, oh shit, that was Jerry Cantrell. I'm pretty sure. So I walked back, and I was like, hey man, uh, sorry to bother you. You uh. Are you Jerry Cantrell? And he kind of looked around to see if there was anybody else around. And he's like, like "Yeah, kind of paparazzi." Yeah, like right. Like, a, yeah, I'm just a dude in like flannel shirt. And uh, he's like, "Yeah, man. Well, uh, you know, uh, were you here for the show?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you guys fucking killed it. Just absolutely murdered it." Mm-hmm. And but also, uh, and this was, I think it was maybe three months, four months after, uh, after, after Staley Lane died. Staley died. Yeah. Which those guys were friends for years, toured yeah. around the world, all that stuff. And I just said, "Man, I'm so sorry, so sorry about your friend. I'm so sorry for your loss." I've lost friends, and I know what that's like. And he's like, I don't get that very often. It's usually, oh, my God, Allison changed the fucking I listen to you guys as a teenager. I'm like, yeah, I did all that stuff, too, but I'm in my mid-20s, and I've lost friends. Mm-hmm. I've lost friends that I've known for the majority of my life. And I know what it's like, and I'm just so sorry for you. Also, thanks for incredible music and, and live shows, and whatnot, but like I, I but I'm so sorry right. about your friend, which is what I'm kind of leading into is that um, – <clears throat> Uh, last late last week, uh, one of my good friends uh, that I've known probably within a year or so of me living here, so 23, 24 years, his father passed away suddenly uh, recently, and uh, I, his father was uh, influential on me, not in a huge way, but he was always just, him and his wife were, my, my friend's mom, the mom and dad, they were so 
non-judgmental of me and my you know girlfriend at the time being teen parents mm-hmm. you know we we're like 18 we got pregnant 19 when when we had Portia and they were so so uh non-judgmental and just very caring and sweet and offering they they knew we were broke all the time and they offered all the time to buy do you guys need groceries do you need diapers do you need formula and I'm like no we've got it all set I appreciate it and honestly now that I think about it I don't even know if Linda knows that uh, that wow. they offered. I can't remember if she, I don't think she was around for that, uh, sometimes. And so I like that, like they were just such incredible people. And for him to just, uh, to, to pass so suddenly it was, uh, it was a little, uh, I wouldn't say devastating cause it wasn't my father, but I feel so badly for my friend and his mom. Well, you were also saying that, I believe you told me this before the uh, mics went on that, um, you have kind of a core group of friends you've had for a long time here, like a, a handful. Four yeah, or five, and you know how we, we all kind of spiral out in different directions right. and move different places and have kids and get married and divorce and all that stuff. Right. But this is but the like, first. This this is the first out of our our group who had a, 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 a. I mean, I had a. We had one of our friends. His 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 mother passed a long time ago, but uh, there, that was kind of a troubled relationship. So it wasn't a very, you know what I mean? It was like kind of, it, it was actually kind of maybe kind of similar to you and your mom mm-hmm. where they weren't super close. Right. And, uh, but it was still your mom, you know, right. but this was like the first one in our group to lose a parent. Like in the, in the, in the time frame where we're all going to lose parents, your forties and your fifties. Right. That's when it happens. Cause we're all, we're all 40, except for one guy in the group. He turns 40 or, in like three weeks. Or that's when it normally starts happening, at least. Yeah. For nor- if everything's kind of normal. On the average, yeah. yeah. But you can, I know some people that are in their 70s that their parents are still mm-hmm. around. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is insane. That's not normal, though. It's yeah. not, yeah, that's not That's not normal. It's yeah. cool, but it's not normal. Yeah. But it, uh, it really uh, kind of hit home and made me really start thinking about, you know, my own mortality and how, like, my kid's going to have to deal with that, which I know she doesn't want to talk about or think about it, but it, it's something that we, the majority of people, all go through. You when you lose a parent, um, and you haven't lost. I have. Your father I, yet. I haven't, and I and I know, and I know that there's no way to be prepared for that. But like, man, I I just, yeah. It, it, these it, are guys that I've known, like I said, since high school, and and it's just it, we're all we were all supposed to meet up for one of the one. Not all of us. There's only a handful of us. That li- like two of us actually that live in the Kingman area. Mm-hmm. And we were going to go to the one guy's, you know, house for a barbecue and play cornhole, drink beer on Sunday. And and that unfortunately turned into a a reunion of sorts. You have, you know, two guys that that live, you know, one in the Midwest and then one in uh, one up north in Salt Lake. And they, you know, flew out here to, you know, to be close to the family and all that stuff. And uh, and so that's what ended up, you know, happening yesterday. And it's uh, it's God damn it. It's just so sad. Like just so sad and sometimes so it's like a somber realization that the yeah. human body is so fragile. Yeah, and then you you know that you're not that many years away from that. I'm I mean, not. You, I'm you a lot, are, but you're not. I'm a lot closer I mean? to to my death day than my birthday. Yeah, which is an old lyric from from a, a one of my favorite bands from like 20 years ago. And um, there were. I mean, it. I, I, you can't describe it until you've been through it. You've lost some very close friends. I've lost. But it's some, nothing a like lot. a parent. It doesn't. It's yeah. kind of like, I, especially if you like your parents. Especially <laughs> you, you know, know. If you, you gotta like your parents. Some yeah. kid, you, you hear, but he's like, fine. The old lady's gone or whatever. And right. That's not in my, my case. My, it's my, not your case. My uncle, my mom's brother, was like that. Yeah, and, and but he was, you know, he was the only boy and abused by a World War II vet who had tragic, tragic PTSD. And that's how that happened. You know, what I mean, you, you can trace that back to that's exactly what and shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, like there's uh, p- 
people would say, well, yeah, I know what it's like. I'm, oh, yeah, I'm sorry you lost your father. Um, you know, I, I lost my best friend, and like that's not that's not the that's not the same thing. Right. It's kind of like uh, like Tom Segura has that bit where he talks about uh, how the the most annoying people on earth are the people who call themselves dog parents. Right. Uh, and like, well, I'm, it's like, I'm a parent too. I love my dogs. Like, yeah, that's great. I have a dog that's been with me through thick and thin, but if it snapped at and barked at in an aggressive way to my kid, I would drown that dog in the, in the bathtub that second. Right. That's the difference. And saying, oh yeah, I know what it's like to lose a parent. You don't know until it happens. Like I know that about myself. Right. My parents are all, they're all alive. So I, and I know that that day will come at some point. My, but I don't I and I try not to dwell on that because there's no way to be prepared for it from what people have told me. My there isn't it, 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 and it changes you. I'm telling you right now. I, I've known you for a while, Joe. But it it you cannot describe how it how it changes you. And it's and it's uh, you kind of wish you could turn it back somehow. Like you like, can we just get rid of this part of it or it did me anyway? And uh, I remember when my mother was getting sick. My parents have been divorced for a long time. They both got remarried. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were but they got along enough. You know, we. We were common parents, you know, we, they, they were, but when she started getting sick and, and my father learned about my, my mother, you know, his ex-wife, whatever, from years prior, um, he was huh, losing it also because she was a big part of our whole family. Right. You know, she was there when he was in the Air Force and we were going to Air Force bases and through the Vietnam War and all that stuff. So he was, and he was very sad about it also, even though, again, they had been divorced for 20 years at that point at least I think. but still yeah. i mean it doesn't matter it's a, yeah. it's a mother of your child or children in his case children right and you know, yeah and so i lost my mother first that was probably close to about 20 years ago like it was right before 9 11 basically so it's 25 years ago now i guess um and then my father about 10 ish years ago after i moved here just a couple years after i arrived but um i remember like the last you know when i went to see him and he passed away at in hospice and came back you know you're kind of busy you're pack and you're flying i remember oh it, it, I, I didn't want to go down this path hardly at all but i remember you know dreaming stuff that you know i was dreaming that my father had, had died after he passed away you know and then waking up like it was a nightmare and now i'm waking up out of my sleep thinking that, oh my god it was only a dream and then realizing it's true yeah my fucking god this is going on for months for me i'm telling you joe month after month this would not go away it was it's when i was living in, in rancho santa fe or mm-hmm. like that and i had such vivid bizarre not good dream like i had to put people have pictures of their loved ones i i took all, i didn't have that many pictures of him floating around but i took them all down i didn't want to see him because i needed to function i i couldn't really function if i was constantly reminded of this and i thought about him all the time but i didn't want to see a picture yeah and all that stuff so and i remember when i on the flight i came back i was uh pretty much crying constantly after he had passed away and this one flight attendant wanted to console me but she knew she really couldn't she kind of tell i think i told her whatever was going on and uh, then i drove back to kingman pulled in the garage uh where i was living and just you know opened the garage door pulled in turned the truck off and just lost my fucking mind i thought i'm losing it you know i this may be i don't know if i can recover from this because he was so close with aviation and all our common friends and would go on double dates with him with you know travel with him to europe numerous times all this shit and it was gone and he was getting better with his cancer it was in full remission it was done boom and that's it came back like it does yeah with the fucking vengeance within two months after he was given a clear bill of health and it was like it was really hard to function for a while it was really tough um 
and so that was my second parent. And then I, I think I was telling you a little bit too when I was sitting there, this kind of brings around a little bit at this Taylor Swift concert, maybe before <laughs> or after it was going on. But I'm standing there looking around at all the fascinating shit and all the people having a great time, you know, that are that are um, enjoying the concert. Younger, most of them are younger than me. Some are my age there too. But I'm thinking this is a weird, convoluted road that brought me to Taylor Swift, which sounds like a joke. And it's not a joke. It almost sounds like a country song. Yeah, but it, it, it it's does. Like, like it, the, uh, the, that's how I got to Memphis, like that uh, right. Dante Hall song. That, yeah. The long road that brought me to Taylor Swift. Right. And because I'm not a fan, I know she, whatever, we've been through this before the first half of the show, whatever you want to call it. So, but which is odd, I'm going, I don't know, my, my mother would be flipped out. She would think it'd be crazy. My father think I'd be insane for going to a concert because he, why do you want to go to a concert? You know, anyway, he's not quite like that. But, you know, I'm just, I'm thinking things in my mind. And here I am sitting next to a, a friend of mine who I'm not dating but loves Taylor Swift. And she knows all these songs. I'm seeing all these happy people singing all this stuff together. Like, they're, they know when they're saying the same group. They're singing to each other practically. Yeah. That's what Julie, we talked about, that's what Julie was doing with these yeah. women, girls around her. And they were all having a great time. And I thought, here I am in Las Vegas at this brand new stadium that just got built. And just, I was just thinking about everything. I'm going, this was a really interesting. I'm not done with my life yet, you know. But I was just reflecting on this weird little path, and it wasn't all about Taylor. Swift. It was, I was thinking more about my life than Taylor Swift, of what brought me to being at this concert. It's a strange <laughs> you know, road. I don't know. It just. It's, I think it's cool though. I, I I won't be able to plug in and identify. You know, have someone really understand what I'm trying to say. But I'm it, sure it was more emotional than it was funny. It was yeah. kind of funny, but more emotional. Like this is just life is weird. That's what it. Life is weird. Yeah, I guess. And this is one of the weird little things. Never ever would have thought in my entire life that I would go to sixty thousand screaming fans for a Taylor Swift last minute decision. I don't know. It's not about Taylor. It's about it's about life and about loss. Yeah, yeah. It was about I was thinking about loss for a few minutes there at the concert. And what it is. And I think and literally thinking about these younger people who are 10, 20, 30 years younger than me or more, whatever, and some of them, um, their whole life is really ahead of them. In normal circumstances, their whole life is ahead of them. And they haven't experienced, probably not on average, the losses that I have. And they're so happy and glad to be there. It was so good to see and to witness and be around all this positive energy, it was really a good thing. So what you're telling me is you had an emotional connection to Taylor Swift's music and their fans. That's, yes. That's, and that would be the answer that you would have given your father after the show. Dad, that's why I went to that concert. Right. And again, I, I don't think I'll you be able that to. That may not have been the reason, but that's right. what the result was. And I won't be able to really identify with a lot of her lyrics, some a little bit, but most of them not. You know what I mean? I'm not, I just don't quite fit right. her the, the demographic, but... It was a, it was an interesting thing, and it, it, it to me I wanted to bring that up a little bit because it does it did rem- that moment kind of reminded me of the road the losses I experienced between here, which had nothing to do with her music either because it wasn't really although she has a couple ballads a couple it, slow songs it didn't, that doesn't nice. have to it's just music in general yeah, yeah. yeah. so and you, you so now one of your core friends from when you moved here is experiencing a pretty heavy loss you said he and his father were very close the probably the first heavy heavy loss in his life now yeah now i know he's lost a grandparent or two or, or maybe all of them i'm fairly I, I think but nothing i mean it's nothing like that i mean without i don't want to go into any details that are identifiable at sure. all you know just out of out of respect but mm-hmm. it um i saw how his father treated him and talked to him mm-hmm 
And I tried my best to treat my kid like that. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's the only influential sure. parent in my life. Well, he's you one know, of them. But he's definitely one of them. And he was a big deal, and he was a really, truly, truly great man. Like, I don't think if you ever dug, no matter how deep you dug, you couldn't find a skeleton in that man's closet. Mm-hmm. He was just a good man. Mm-hmm. Just a good man, good father, good husband, good person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just incredible. So just uh, we're all probably, the majority of us will, uh, as humans, will have to deal with that level of loss at some point. And, and so, it, I, like, I, 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 I called my mom that night. Mm-hmm. And I tried to call my dad. Right. And I, I just, I, ugh, when I, the day I found out, I'm like, oh my god. But uh, here's what's really fucked up. On my, just to share a little, little side story too. So after my father passed away, and I, I still have the hard drive in there too. But a lot of our communication was we talk on the phone probably once a week. But a lot of our communication was via email. Like if I just got a phone call from. Uh, some like a well-known pilot that he probably knew about or this cool thing happened at the airport today or did you know all we would every day would email a couple three times not long emails but just kind of cool things and he would say yeah I gotta go working Alice has got dinner ready I gotta do this or I'm gonna work on the whatever project and he had retired from Delta at that point so it took a while I gotta tell you Joe this is how broken I am but out of out of habit it took a long time when something good happened here or I wanted to tell him something I'd find myself walking to my computer and sitting down, starting to send him an email. Not catching myself before I would actually would click on, but going, what the, f- what the fuck? Like it was an automatic response to tell me he was one of the first people I would tell about a piece of news. And it took several months to break that habit. Yeah. It, several months. Yeah. It was just weird because it was just automatic. And then realizing that that's never going to happen again. It's never gonna happen again. You're never gonna you're never gonna receive an email. He's not gonna if you send one, you're never gonna send it. It's never gonna happen. You know? Yeah. And they, and until and I know you're pretty empathetic and and, 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 and sy- uh, sympathetic with losses of uh, friends of yours. You've been through some stuff, and you're probably more than the average person. Not even probably, like no doubt. But it's a little bit different after you this has happened and you've recovered from it, and then you hear that someone else is going through it. Because you then reconnect with what you went through. Oh yeah, and it's it's a little bit more sincere when you talk to them. Again, I'm not implying that what you say is insincere by any means. Oh no, no, but you I, have that connection. I don't have that connection yet. I yeah. just don't. I ju- I just don't. And I I I don't ever want to have that connection. Right. But I mean, of, of course, it'll happen. It took me a long. I'm just. I'm still not there yet. I don't know if I ever get there because people do say it changes you. When I one of the things I came here was for the desert beauty and the sunsets and all that kind of shit. I still appreciate them. But but there is a hard line of demarcation of after I lost my father of how what level of beauty I find in sunsets here between then and now. It still exists. And I just talking about it now, I don't talk about it very much, but it's I really want that back. And I, I, I talk to myself as I'm driving out and says, Is this ever gonna come back? Right. Is it is it slow is it coming back now? Am I gonna wanna drive up, which I used to do on a regular basis, up to Lake Mead from through Mead View. And there's an overlook there. You can see the lake. Yeah. That's a cross, that's like a public overview area that nobody is usually there. I used to drive up there maybe once every at least once a month with a friend or with and back my truck up and drop the tailgate and watch the sun going down at Lake Mead when there's nobody else around. Haven't done that since my father died. And that's been ten years. I think now. you should try and do it. And so so because I haven't really wanted to to see that, you know, it's like, okay, so the question is, and there's no answer to this, you know, can you get that back? Maybe not 100%, maybe a little bit more. 
I, I don't really know. I'm just telling you, it, cha- it changes. Yeah, it, it changes things. There's definitely been points in my life that were so uh, not even devastating, just life changing. That there was who I who I am right. now. V- prior to that moment, I'm different. You're right. changed. Right. And I think that the most extreme example of that is going to be is either losing a spouse, mm-hmm. you know, prematurely, mm-hmm. or losing your parents like that's or your the, the, kid or your kid and that i can't even fucking that's imagine. and that's just something that like it's like every parent has that fear it's yeah. like uh uh the, it's like a simmering little coal that's deep down in your soul that just doesn't ever go away yeah especially as they get older and they travel and they drive a lot and they maybe are going out drinking or they're hanging out or in areas where people are drinking and drunk driving and just like all of that, you and you can't. You'll get overwhelmed and try and become some sort of helicopter parent. You can't do that. Yeah, you know that's gotta, um, that's gotta be so. I, I I will. I'm sure I will never know that. And I remember also when I being I, they, we kind of took turns being in the room with my father in the hospice, and he it was obviously was you know he was checking out, and my sister and uh, stepmother were went to go get lunch or something like that. So I was there with him, and he would I think recognize me some. We would kind of talk a little bit. But then I, at that for a while, I wanted to quit what I was doing. I said, I'm not going to be able to. We had common friends in aviation across the board. And I'm sure I mentioned on this show before, but I said, I'm going to move. That's what I'm going to I'm not going to. I'm going to just fucking check out for a while. And I wanted to. I told you this before. My fantasy was, and it didn't tell Alice until not that many years ago. I said, I wanted to move. My fantasy was shut down what the fuck I'm doing. I have enough money. I'll move to Ireland. Don't know why I picked Ireland at that time. Um, and just learn how to tend basic bar in the middle of nowhere in some green area of Ireland and live in an apartment above the bar in a little fucking village. And Which be, you still might do. Right, and I'll be the crazy American guy that just showed up one day and, and bought and bought, uh, bought O'Malley's Pub. Oh, God. And, yeah, and here I go. McGain's Pub. Right, and here it is. And there's the, you know, It would be really interesting to do that. But And then I told Alice that, and she goes, why didn't you do that? And I went, I don't know, because I was still too connected to aviation. I guess after a few months... I thought that's not the really the practical thing to do. I said, I know I could have pulled it off. And she goes, I would have come and visit you all the time. She's like, she likes to travel. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't, you know, that would be, it, but it was a thing. The, the point is I didn't want to face it. I, I didn't want to face all the people that I r- would run into that knew my father. Also. All they're going to do is constantly ask you about your dad. Oh God, I loved your father. They, they, that's what I got for a long time. You know, I really, really respect you. If I loved him so much, I said, yeah, I know I did too. whatever. I ran into this all the time. It was some place I was at in Phoenix. There was a an FAA symposium or seminar for I don't know uh, communications to ATC air traffic control. I don't know what the fuck it was. It was a weather something small in a small auditorium, and I had mistakenly a little glider polo shirt on with a little glider on it of something. And we're walking out. It's me, Scott Brackett, and Tim. We're walking out to my airplane because it was some parking and it was a small auditorium but it was near an airport so we're walking back out there to go back and some guy saw my shirt he goes oh hey that's a glider right so yeah oh yeah hey do you know you know you know bob Gaines? <laughs> whatever oh for fuck's went, sake out and yeah yeah out of, this is like six months later i went yeah it's my father really and he was going on and on about how great he was and he, i don't think he knew he passed away so I told him it was really felt badly. But he, this guy had an antique or a vintage glider that he was going to be restoring. And he consulted my father about some question about how to do something with it. Like, what do you, how do you source these parts or what do you do? And my father was an expert in that area. So he was kind of recognized around this country as one of the few people that you would call to get this information. And he goes, I was just blown away because I emailed your dad and he emailed me back. 
<laughs> he was like so excited that my Cause father because your, your dad's kind of a rock star in that community and that look and I'm yeah. going yeah <laughs> I, I, I didn't I wasn't trying to marginalize what he said but it was just odd that I heard that from someone else and uh, he goes yeah it was awesome because he helped me out and do this this and this and I said yeah he helped a lot of people with their vintage stuff and I'm glad he could do that because I just I can't believe so sad you know that he's gone blah 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 I said yeah it was pretty tough we're surviving um, but yeah, so that that's why I wanted to run away. Yeah, perfect, because I that, knew that, it makes perfect sense. I could go somewhere it was isolated, but still, yeah. you know, maybe have a life and just be away from that little world for a while while I tried to recover. But I didn't do it, obviously, as you know. Yeah, but that part of that trail is why why I didn't do it is why. Like, had I done that, I would not have seen Taylor Swift. <laughs> day before yesterday honestly that's Seriously. that butterfly effects kind of yeah, thing man. it is it yeah. is really it is really so that's why i was sitting there or standing there looking around going this is a weird little little trail that has brought me here yeah and and you're experiencing some of this life stuff right now too well and, and i barely i i mean i'm on the outer skirts of it because right. you know I mean, this wasn't my father you know this right. is it but it's, it's someone influential in my life that i have a tremendous amount of respect for yeah and uh, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind yeah. of a kind of. A, I hope that um, your friend can can experience the loss, however better of a term, like like in a in a good fashion, but be able to get through it. And yeah. I, I, he's like, got a good support system. Yeah, like he needs to not. You were talking to me how he's trying to get through a little bit, kind of joking around a little bit, but not really, but kind of joking. But yeah, kind of just getting through way. yesterday and hanging out, like yeah. just being in a group of people. Yeah, that all know what's going on with him, or not not what's in his head, but like with his life at the moment. Because right. I can tell you, uh, other than us, quote unquote, young guys at forty, but you had like a few people's parents were there and this and that and the other. Uh, they've all experienced this because they've lost their mm-hmm. you know you know fathers and. Uh, and tragically, one of them, you know, one of the guys there, he lost his uh, his his ex-wife. Uh, he's an older guy, close to 70. His his ex-wife, uh, his first wife, um, she lost her sister in her late 20s, early 30s to murder. Wow. And then her other sister died about eight years ago, nine years ago mm-hmm. of drug use. Mm-hmm. So she was left alone, and both their their parents, her those girls, there's three daughters, their parents were still alive. Like, they had to watch both, like, one of their kids get murdered, the other one died from dr- some rampant drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And they've been through a lot of tragedy, like they know. And then I knew those grandparents really well, because the one guy was really good friends with my grandfather. When Gramps would come up to visit here to Kingman from Tucson, he would go and hang out with that guy. So, like, this whole, and that man, he passed away about four years ago, so, like, this whole f- that that whole group of friends, we've all suffered a lot of loss, but like, and all of us, like the quote unquote kids, mm-hmm. like the middle generation, because we all have kids now, mm-hmm. save for one of us in that group of friends, we all have kids now. We're like the middle, you know, bracket, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. This is the first like parent loss, and you know, the, the one of the really great things I, I love that came together. So one friend when I saw. On Facebook, the announcement, you know, when when my friend's father passed, I called another one of our friends and was like, what the fuck is going on? He told me, gave me the lowdown. I'm like, man, we're supposed to have, like, supposed to have a party for you tomorrow. And he's like, yep, he's going to be there. His mom might be there. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And I'm like, here's what you need to do. I already know this. You know this. But some of our friends can be dipshits, especially if there's some beer flowing. 
You need to let them know to not bring up his dad unless he brings him up first. Right. Because he wants some sort of fucking normalcy. Right. Just give him that, and and then we'll, we'll if he brings up his dad, we can keep it as light as he wants it to be. He sets the tone for the conversation. Right. And there were a couple times where I like just changed the fucking subject. Right. Because I could hear, I could see where it was going. And I was like, hey, man, what's up? What's up with this? Da, 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 da. Remember that? And just bring up old goofy stories and shit just to like right. switch gears and then kind of give like a dirty look like the fuck is wrong with you? Why did you bring that? You know what I mean? Like but at the same the time, guy- I, I hoping the the guy, you know, the son, um, it's it's kind of important for him to have a grieving thing almost in public, too. It it does something for you. It's a positive thing. And then yeah. if he's just trying to be positive and joke around and not actually be emotional on some level right around his friends who are the support system i spent money on this yeah (laughs) you know apparently that that is a thing that really almost needs to happen but you can use that as a crutch for too far for too long of course you can yeah and that this is not too far too long not even close no i know exactly what you mean yeah no and so and the the you have to go through that process and if you suspend any point in that process and the reason it's more healthy you won't get through it the way i recall it was explained to me is that it it lets that person know that it's okay to do that and that your friends are there to support you through this terribly emotional loss period in other words and, and you know that now in other words you know that and and you can it's kind of a cleansing thing where you have to do it's one of the processes of, of grieving and that kind of stuff and so yeah once it's out there and it's kind of in a way witnessed if you will and you're there and, and people know you're going through it, it kind of helps you move on better because you know you have people out there that still love you and still care about you and are there for you. And it's been expressed in a public, personal way. Right. So I hope that he can do that, you know, when, when everybody's around at some point. You know what I mean? At some, at some, on some level. Right. You know. Sage advice. I'm told that's, that's I, I didn't make that up. So no, no, I'm sure not. You paid a lot of money for that tidbit. <laughs> so all right, I think that's all, that's uh, that's all I got for today. That's the loss part yeah. of our show. Actually, yeah. if you listen, tune into the show. The whole thing's a loss for the last almost 300 shows. It's true, almost 300 <laughs> shows. <laughs> there it is. All right, folks, have a good week, even in spite of that very dark segment. Well, but that's uh, the way it goes. But that's so. but that's life. It is. Yeah. All right, go listen to some Allison Chains and Taylor Swift. Yep.